Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, the FTC has filed an injunction to block the Microsoft Activision tie-up. Netflix is dipping its toe into live sports. Why Larry Ellison is thankful AI showed up on the scene. The whole Reddit situation came to a head partially because of AI. And one guess why we're about to get a new Beatles song. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The Federal Trade Commission here in the United States has officially filed for a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. There had been a July 18th deadline for the deal to close, so this is getting in under the wire. Quoting CNBC, The FTC said it fears that should Microsoft be allowed to buy Activision, Microsoft would have the power to, quote, withhold or degrade Activision's gaming products through price, game quality, experience on competitors' offerings, or, quote, withholding content from competitors entirely. In other words, the FTC is worried that Microsoft could withhold popular games from Activision Blizzard's library from launching on other game consoles like those sold by Sony. Or it could charge more for games that launch on other consoles. Call of Duty is one title that has come up, and while it's currently available across platforms and Microsoft has promised to continue to sell that series of games broadly, Regulators fear that Microsoft could have the power to hold those or similarly popular future titles for Xbox, taking buyers away from Sony and other console makers. If the parties were allowed to merge before the case made its way through an administrative proceeding, the FTC argued that, quote, re-establishing the status quo would be difficult, if not impossible. The injunction request comes as the deadline for the deal was coming down to the wire. Both the FTC's hearing date and that of an appeal to the decision by the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK to block the deal came after the party's deadline of July 18th. Meanwhile, European Commission regulators had cleared the acquisition. The FTC told the court that a preliminary injunction was necessary, quote, because Microsoft and Activision have represented that they may consummate the proposed acquisition at any time, end quote. Sources say Netflix is in talks to livestream its first sporting event this fall, a celebrity golf tournament with professional golfers and Formula One drivers. I think I'll put my money on the professional golfers. In the end, I also think that the whole streaming wars slash reconstituting the cable bundle is probably going to come down to sports in one way or another. Quoting the journal, Netflix is in early discussions about the golf tournament, some of the people said. Said in Las Vegas, the event would feature celebrities from Drive to Survive, a docuseries about Formula One auto racing, and Full Swing, which followed professional golfers during the 2022 season, they said. The move would mark Netflix's first foray into live streaming of sports, something executives have debated for more than a year. Discussions about the tournament are in the early stages, some of the people said. Several big streaming companies have started paying for major sports rights packages, from football to baseball, hoping to draw in new subscribers and juice their advertising sales. Netflix has largely stayed away from competing for those deals and instead has focused on documentary programming. Its Formula One Drive to Survive series has helped the Global Racing League gain broad notoriety since it debuted in 2019. The planned golf tournament would offer a way to sample live sports programming without paying for one of the major league packages. We aren't anti-sports, we're pro-profit, co-chief executive Ted Sarando said in January, adding that the company looks at opportunities and its stance might change. The company hadn't yet figured out how to bid for big league sports rights in a way that was profitable for Netflix's business, he said. Netflix bid for the live U.S. streaming rights to Formula One last year, the Wall Street Journal previously reported, but ESPN ultimately won a three-year deal to keep the global race package on ESPN, ESPN2, and ABC. 
Netflix has also bid or considered competing for rights to tennis and cycling events and explored investments in lower-profile leagues, the journal previously reported, end quote. Update on the whole Reddit situation. Over 7,000 subreddits have now gone private or read-only to protest Reddit's API pricing changes. The site also experienced issues for about two hours yesterday where nobody could get on full stop. Not sure if that's related, but I can report that the subreddit I've been visiting for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom stuff is currently set to private, which is annoying. What if I told you that the reason this Reddit stuff is coming to a head now is because of, wait for it, AI? That's the assertion Casey Newton makes in his newsletter saying Reddit's API changes stem from large language models driving up the value of its data. Quote, At first, Reddit didn't even build a native app for itself. Instead, the company bought Alien Blue, a third-party app built on top of the company's free API. Since then, a small but committed group of developers have continued to use the API to improve on Reddit's core offering. Apollo, the most popular Reddit client on iOS, has about 50,000 paying subscribers, according to developer Kristen Selig. Sync and Reddit is Fun, more commonly known as Riff, have similarly enthusiastic communities on their Android apps. Other apps served more niche use cases. PushShift, for example, scraped and stored Reddit posts for use by researchers and moderators. Other apps offer accessibility features for blind users and other people with disabilities. In April, Reddit, which is laying the groundwork for an initial public offering of its stock later this year, announced it would begin to charge for the API based on usage. The stated purpose of the changes was to fend off large language models like those from Google and OpenAI, which have been training their models on Reddit's huge library of public posts. The Reddit corpus of data is really valuable, Steve Huffman, Reddit's co-founder and CEO, told the New York Times' Mike Isaac. But we don't need to give all that value to some of the largest companies in the world for free. Initially, it wasn't clear how these changes would affect apps like Apollo and Riff. By the end of May, though, Selig had calculated that at the new prices, running Apollo would cost him an unmanageable $20 million a year. Soon, Apollo and other third-party apps announced that they would be forced to shut down at the end of this month when the new prices take effect, and Redditors began planning their protests. Of all the issues of concern to Reddit users and developers, the most pressing may be timing. The changes are all taking effect within 30 days of being announced, which presents a genuine hardship to apps like Apollo, which sell annual plans and owe their users up to a year of additional service. If there's any room for compromise in this whole conflict, I think it is to be found in extending the time that developers have to wind their projects down and potentially build products and businesses that are complementary with Reddit's new terms. In the meantime, though, the Reddit protest has highlighted the danger of outsourcing content creation, moderation, and product development to the user base. To be clear, the company has had good reason to do so. Allowing users to create forums about anything they can think of has led to some of the most wonderful niche communities on the internet. Allowing them to mostly self-govern has exempted Reddit from many of the impossible decisions faced by the social media CEOs who took a more top-down approach to moderation. And while we may look back on it as a zero-interest-rate phenomenon, Reddit's free API accelerated the development of its app ecosystem, allowing users to create complementary tools and experiences that increase the service's overall value. It's little wonder that, having long granted users so much power, Reddit now finds itself in crisis over a clumsy move to rest it back. Let this be a lesson to anyone else who ever builds a social network. Tell your users that the community belongs to them for long enough, and at some point they'll start to believe you. The move also suggests that framing the API change as a defense against encroaching AI was, in hindsight, a miscalculation. 
Whether or not ChatGPT or Bard get access to Reddit posts has little effect on the average Reddit user, but shutting down the company's app ecosystem does, and I imagine this all feels particularly galling to users who already have deep misgivings about their work being used to train AI models over which they have no control, and from which they themselves will see no financial benefit. It's one thing to build an advertising business around your users' posts, and quite another to package those posts up and sell them as a SaaS product. Reddit has long depended heavily, arguably too heavily, on the unpaid labor of its users. That's especially true for its moderators, many of whom have turned to third-party solutions to better do their volunteer jobs. Ensuring that this group in particular would not be affected negatively before announcing any API changes seems to me like the least that Reddit could have done. While there has been much confusion on this point, Reddit told me today that moderation tools will not be subject to the new API limits." End quote. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One Password. One Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One Password lets you securely switch between iPhone. Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Oracle reported Q4 revenue yesterday, up 17% year-over-year. Cloud services and license support revenues up 23% year-over-year. And net income up 4% year-over-year. I normally don't report on Oracle revenue numbers, but I'm noting it here because Oracle's stock has risen 42% just from the start of the year. Why? Like anything else these days, the AI boom. And even though I don't usually tell you about this particular horse race, it is, I suppose, notable that this has for the first time pushed Larry Ellison's wealth past Bill Gates 
to become the world's fourth richest person with a $129.8 billion net worth. This is an old-school 1990s rivalry. Quote, Ellison, 78, passed Microsoft founder Bill Gates to become the world's fourth richest person with a net worth of $129.8 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. It's the first time that Ellison is richer than Gates, whose net worth is currently $129.1 billion, and the first time Ellison has ranked higher than fifth on the list, according to Bloomberg data. Investor interest in AI and a broader tech rally have been a tailwind to Oracle stock, which has climbed 42% this year and reached a record high of $116.43 on Monday ahead of the company's quarterly earnings. Ellison's net worth has risen almost $38 billion this year, while Gates's has increased $19.9 billion, though that amount has been muted by his charitable giving to various nonprofits. Much of Ellison's fortune is comprised of Oracle shares, along with his $11 billion stake in electric automaker Tesla. He's sold more than $12 billion of Oracle stock since 2003 and is known for a lavish lifestyle involving private planes, America's Cup sailing teams, and trophy properties, including the Hawaiian island of Lanai. He's not the only tech founder to benefit from the AI boom. Google's co-founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, added $18 billion to their collective fortunes following the company's developer conference in May, their best week since 2021. NVIDIA co-founder Jensen Huang, meanwhile, has seen his wealth more than double in 2023, making him the biggest gainer on Bloomberg's index of the world's 500 richest people, end quote. Finally today, you might have heard this in other venues, but there is a new Beatles song coming later this year, which will include John Lennon's voice singing vocals. Why? How? Well, like everything else these days, thank or blame AI. Quoting BBC News, Sir Paul McCartney says he has employed artificial intelligence to help create what he calls the final Beatles record. He told BBC Radio 4's Today program that technology had been used to extricate John Lennon's voice from an old demo so he could complete the song. We just finished it up and it'll be released this year, he explained. Sir Paul did not name the song, but it is likely to be a 1978 Lennon composition called Now and Then. It had already been considered as a possible reunion song for the Beatles in 1995 as they were compiling their career-spanning anthology series. Sir Paul had received the demo a year earlier from Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono. It was one of several songs on a cassette labeled For Paul that Lennon had made shortly before his death in 1980. Lo-fi and embryonic, the tracks were largely recorded onto a boombox as the musician sat at a piano in his New York apartment. Cleaned up by producer Jeff Lynn, two of those songs, Free as a Bird and Real Love, were completed and released in 1995 and 96, marking the first new Beatles material in 25 years. The band also attempted to record now and then an apologetic love song that was fairly typical of Lennon's later career, but the session was quickly abandoned. It was one day, one afternoon, really messing with it, Lynn recalled. The song had a chorus, but is almost totally lacking in verses. We did the backing track, a rough go that we didn't really finish. Sir Paul later claimed George Harrison refused to work on the song, saying the sound quality of Lennon's vocal was rubbish. It didn't have a very good title, it needed a bit of reworking, but it had a beautiful verse and it had John singing it, he told Q Magazine. But George didn't like it. The Beatles being a democracy, we didn't do it. It would seem that technology has now afforded the musician a chance to achieve that goal. The turning point came with Peter Jackson's Get Back documentary, where dialogue editor Emile De La Rey trained computers to recognize the Beatles' voices and separate them from background noises and even their own instruments to create clean audio. The same process allowed Sir Paul to duet with Lennon on his recent tour and for new surround sound mixes of the Beatles' Revolver album to be created last year. He, 
Peter Jackson was able to extricate John's voice from a ropey little bit of cassette, Sir Paul told Radio 4's Martha Kearney. We had John's voice and a piano, and he could separate them with AI. They tell the machine, that's the voice, this is a guitar, lose the guitar. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record, it was a demo that John had, and we were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI. Then we can mix the record as you would normally do, so it gives you some sort of leeway. However, the musician admitted that other applications of AI give him pause for concern. Quote, I'm not on the internet that much, but people will say to me, oh yeah, there's a track where John's singing one of my songs, and it's just AI, you know? It's kind of scary, but exciting, because it's the future. We'll just have to see where that leads, end quote. I lied yesterday at the end of the show. I did have something to talk about. I just forgot it. We saw the new Spider-Man Spider-Verse movie this past weekend, and it was great. Not as great as the first one, but how could it be? That's maybe the greatest superhero movie ever made. This one is very, 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 very good, though. Some of the best filmmaking out there right now. So, you know, would recommend. Go see it. Talk to you tomorrow.